as you find in Mark chapter 1, so far as we've been back in the book of Mark in preparation for Easter, we've seen Jesus calling some of his first disciples to himself. We've seen Jesus preaching in synagogues and astounding people with his authority. We've seen Jesus casting out demons, commanding them to be silent. We've seen Jesus healing a woman with a fever. We've seen Jesus uh, healing many sick people from a city who were brought to him and casting out many demons as the word spreads about who he is and, and what he's capable of. We've seen Jesus hide away and pray. We've seen Jesus rise up from prayer and determination to go and preach in cities around Galilee. And today we're going to see Jesus do something that we haven't seen him do yet. We're going to see Jesus cleanse someone. We've seen healing, we've seen liberation, but we have not yet seen him cleanse someone. We're going to read today Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45, and we're going to read about him cleansing a leper. So if you're capable, if you're able, would you please stand with me? And we will read Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45 together. And a leper came to him, meaning Jesus, imploring him and kneeling said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Let's pray together. Father, we've read your word and, and I am about to try to preach based on this passage. And I just want to confess before all these people that I have nothing to offer them but your word. And I just, I plead with you, please help me serve them well. Please help us to hear your voice and your word. Help us to be transformed this morning by the renewing of our minds. Give our minds clarity and energy and give our hearts receptivity. May we be changed by encountering Jesus Christ in your word this morning. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. So to begin with, I want to ratchet back up to verse 40. And I want you to see the leper. I want you to try to visualize this leprous man who comes to Jesus in verse 40. It says, And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Leprosy, have you heard a sermon on leprosy before? Some of you heard the, the grotesque details of what leprosy can become and could become. Has anyone heard much about leprosy? Some of you have. I really wrestled with how how far to go in describing leprosy. I've even heard some preachers will show pictures of individuals who are eaten up with leprosy and 
I didn't want to go for any sort of a shock factor, but I do want you to be able to visualize this man. So I don't have a picture for you. Let your imagination create your picture. But I'll tell you a little bit about leprosy. The word leprosy actually here can be sort of a general term for skin diseases. But over in one of the other biographers of Jesus, his account of this, I think it was in Luke, says that he's full of leprosy. So I get the idea that this is full-blown leprosy and that this is pretty advanced leprosy. So leprosy can begin as just some strange spots on your skin, maybe in your face, maybe in where, like where your nose comes together with the rest of your face or you know, around your eyebrows and your eyes or around the corners of your mouth. Some spots that might look like um, eczema or something like that, just a little discoloration. And then if it's full-blown leprosy, it will spread. So let's just talk about the face for a minute uh, so you can picture what this gentleman may have looked like. Leprosy can spread on the face to such a degree that it no longer resembles a human face at all. It can spread to such a degree that it, the, the brows will get so swollen and uh, oozing with sores uh, that you, you almost start to look like some kind of an, an animal or some kind of an otherworldly creature. And um, the sores can get into the mucous membrane of your nose and decay and eat at the inside of your nose to the point that it can cave in so that your face no longer has a nose that comes out, but just sort of a caved in spot where you can breathe in and out. Um, you can see why I, I really wrestled with how far to go with you on these descriptions. Um, I just want you to see the desperation of this man. So it can affect your eyelids to the point that you can no longer close them. So imagine, just pay attention to your blinking right now. Okay, imagine that you can't do that anymore. Just try to leave your eyes open for a minute. You just feel the desperation you would feel if you could not blink and could not get relief from that dryness. And eventually that can lead to such problems that you can't even see anymore. So it can lead to blindness. Okay, so the face, since he is full of leprosy, according to Luke, probably was hideously disfigured. Okay, now leprosy also, it's not just a skin issue. It's a nerve issue if it gets far enough. So what happens is your extremities, think especially of your fingers and your toes, you just don't feel them anymore over time. And so they're numb. And so you lose that protective pain sensation that, that keeps you from grabbing hold of something that's blazing hot. Or if you're walking with you know, open toe sandals like they would have back then, if you strike a sharp rock and it cuts deeply into your foot, you may not even know it. And you'll just keep walking. And so often folks struggling with leprosy will lose fingers and, and their hands even, or their toes and their feet. And it's not because so much the disease is eating it away. It's because they don't know that they're hurting themselves. I read a story one time of a child with leprosy who saw an adult trying to turn a key in a padlock. This is more modern day. He couldn't get it. And the child said, let me try. And the child got it. And the adult couldn't figure out how was he able to do it. And then he saw that the child had used such force that the sharp edges of that key Splice right through the meat of his finger down to the bone. The child didn't even know it, didn't even feel it. But because he was able to turn it much harder without worrying about the pain, he was able to get it. Also, while you're thinking about the fingers and the toes, look at your hand for a second. Leprosy can cause the cartilage of the fingers and toes to sort of shrivel back into the hand. And so if you don't rub off the digits of your hands and your feet, 
often they will sort of shrink back anyway and start to resemble more like claws. And if you ever do see a picture of a leper, it, it'll look like they have small like claws coming out of the nubs of their hands. Okay, it's a horrific, horrific disease. Okay, so those are the symptoms, some of the symptoms. I'll leave it at that, okay? You can picture the desperation. Imagine this is you. Okay, raise your hand if you looked in a mirror in preparation to leave the house this morning. Now, you all looked in a mirror. Some of you aren't raising your hand. I know you did. Okay, now imagine you look in a mirror and that's what you see. Okay? No matter how nonchalant any of us claim to be about our appearance, none of us, none of us truly is. We, we all know generally what we look like. Okay? Imagine that you're disfigured to this degree. Especially some of you women. Would that not be devastating? So that's sort of what it might look like. I want to read to you, you can read a lot about leprosy in the Old Testament, but I want to read to you sort of the, uh, the sentence that you face if you have leprosy back here in these days. Okay, and this is from Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. The whole chapter, these really two chapters, um, 13 and 14, are all about what the priests were supposed to do with leprous people in Israel. And then we get this, these two verses that tell us what the priest had to make these leprous people do if it was in, indeed confirmed that they had leprosy. Leviticus 13, starting at verse 45. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes. Okay, so let's think about that for a minute. We all got up and we got dressed this morning. Okay, some of us more successfully than others. I'm just kidding. You picked out your clothes Okay, you didn't purposely pick out torn clothes. I don't see any torn clothes. You picked out, you know, generally some nice clothes were going to church. Lepers had to wear torn clothes. Okay. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. Okay, so you had to wear torn clothes and you had to not fix your hair. All right, now think about what your hair looks like if you've not fixed it for a couple of days. Okay, now imagine this is your life. You're not allowed to try to make your hair look neat. You have to look, you have to look like a mess. Torn clothes, messed up hair. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. That may have been because men in particular would have had a mustache and that may have had something to do with it. I don't know. If someone comes near to you and you are a leper, you have to shout out, unclean, unclean. Okay, so you have the symptoms anyway, which are devastating. Now you have to take on the identity very publicly of a leper so that everybody will know it because leprosy is contagious. In fact, really, doctors are still not entirely sure how all it spreads, but they're pretty sure it spreads through like if you sneeze or some, a leper sneezes in your company and you can breathe in the, the bacteria. So if somebody starts to come near you, you have to yell, unclean, unclean, stay away. Verse 46, he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone and his dwelling shall be outside the camp. So this leprous man was probably horrifically disfigured from leprosy. It's probably difficult for him to walk to come to Jesus in the first place. And for however long he's had leprosy, which I think should have you know, probably been quite a while since he was full of leprosy. For however long he's had it, he has to have lived in isolation from anybody that he knew. He can't go near his friends. 
Maybe he was a family man. We don't know. If he was, he, you know, for however many years he had to be in isolation, he couldn't see his children growing up. He couldn't, you know, hug his wife. He has to live in isolation either by himself or with other lepers. You know, the other lepers looking equally horrifically disfigured, you know, unkempt, torn clothes, can't wash, hurts too bad. Can you picture him? You see the leper? I think that's as far as I'll go with the description. You need to know, though, that this isn't just a sickness. Leprosy here is an identity. You contract leprosy, your new identity is unclean. Whoever you used to be, whatever work you used to do, that's over, and you are unclean. Nobody cares your name anymore. They just hear you shouting if they get close, unclean, unclean. That's your whole identity. So you can picture the leper. Now I want you to picture our Lord, picture Jesus. The leper comes up and kneels, which probably was painful, and says, if you will, you can make me clean. One other description here that I read. The leprosy can also affect the throat and the vocal cords, causing your voice to sound very raspy and almost growly and almost animal-like. So he's not coming up and probably sounding sophisticated and upright, and he's not wearing his Sunday best, saying, Jesus, if you will, I know that you can make me clean. He's desperate. He's dirty. He's in pain. And it's a pretty shocking act that he even came into town to talk to Jesus to begin with, because he wasn't supposed to do that. If you will, you can make me clean. In verse 41, moved with pity... He, meaning Jesus, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. I just want to point out three things about our Lord and Savior here in this interaction with the leper. Okay. It's three things very quickly. They're simple things, but they're important. Number one, he cares. He cares about the leper. When it says moved with pity, that original language is actually kind of difficult to to wrestle down to a clear English meaning. I do think moved with pity seems right, and most of the scholars agree, but there's a hint to it of more intensity than that. Uh, It's almost as if he's indignantly angry with pity. He's not just, oh, bless his heart. It's he is shaken with emotion about this leper who's approaching him. He truly, deeply, really cares about this man. He's moved with pity. He's indignant with anger at the situation of this man. And I point that out because sometimes I think we can tend to see Jesus as sort of a stoic alien figure who floats through life sort of above it all and, you know, heals with a, a graceful wave of his hand and then goes on about his business. But his heart is in it here. You know, he's not an alien. He's one of us. And he's deeply sympathetic to this leper, which in turn means he's deeply sympathetic to us as well. So if you feel that he's cold and a distant figure, because maybe that's how he's been presented to you throughout your life, it's not true. He's raw. He cares. He's emotional about the people around him. He cares. Number two, he touches. Now, this is big. 
Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him. You were not supposed to touch a leper. Lepers were unclean. Jesus was Jewish. Go back and read Leviticus. As a Jewish person, there's all sorts of stuff you're not supposed to touch because it'll make you unclean. You're not supposed to touch a dead person, a dead person's body. There's all these things you're not supposed to eat. Cleanness is essential as a Jewish person. And lepers were unclean. That is their identity. And Jesus could have said, I will be healed from a distance. But instead, he reaches, he stretches out his hand. It almost seems as though the leper didn't come all the way up to Jesus. He didn't get right up to where if he might have accidentally sneezed, it may have infected Jesus. He may have kept it some distance, but he wanted to communicate to him. And Jesus stretches out his hand and reaches and touches him. And that is shocking, really. This man, I mean, who knows when the last time was that he had experienced physical touch of another human being. I mean, it might have been years. It might have been decades. I mean, we don't know. But since he was full of leprosy, I think that he was out there for a while. Now, just think about yourself. What's the last time you experienced human touch? Did you shake any hands here at church this morning? You know, we do that. It's a human touch thing. Did you get any hugs? Did you get any of those church side hugs? Actually, we're pretty much full and we just hug each other here. Did you get any hugs this morning? Who's gotten a hug this morning since you've been at church? All right, good bit. Okay. You think about, um, you know, in, in the rest of your life, think about if he was a family man. You think about how important it, it is to you with your spouse or your children, physical touch. He was completely cut off from that. He wasn't to be touched. He was unclean, unclean. And as I was researching for this, I read that some of the most righteous men in Israel would actually carry rocks with them in case a leper came near so they could throw the rocks at him to make sure he kept his distance. But Jesus' hands didn't throw rocks at him and didn't distance from him. His hands stretched toward the uncleanness. Just see our Lord. See our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See how much he cares, how deeply he cares. See how he, he moves toward the uncleanness and doesn't recoil away from it. Think about what your reaction would be. I mean, be honest with yourself. If someone in that condition, let's say it was as bad as it could be, full-blown, comes suddenly and unexpectedly up to you, how do you respond in your gut? Do you move toward or do you recoil away? You know, Jesus was just like us and tempted in every way, just as we are. And, I'm, you know, it's not a pleasant sight when an unclean leper comes crawling up to you. But Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, moves toward it. Isn't he awesome? Jesus cares. Jesus touches. And then the third thing that he does in response is Jesus cleanses. He stretches out his hand and he touched him and he said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Immediately after the touch of Jesus Christ, he goes from being unclean to clean. And that has all sorts of implications. For one, it sounds like the leprosy was just healed. I don't know if visibly, if the the damages were healed 
or if just the disease was healed and he would have to live looking like that for the rest of his life, but it would get no worse and he was clean now. I don't know. It sounds like it was pretty thorough. Immediately the leprosy left him. So it left him and he was made clean. But just in moving from unclean to clean, that has tremendous implications. That means he's no longer, he no longer has to be isolated from everybody else. He no longer has to purposefully look unclean to keep others from being contaminated. He's no longer a contaminant at all. If he has a family, he can go back to his family. He can get reconnected with the people that he used to know. Maybe he can go back and work now. Our Savior, our Lord, cares and he touches the uncleanness and he cleanses the uncleanness. What a Savior we have. What a Lord we have. Do you see him? See Jesus? But you may notice that the majority of this passage doesn't really focus on that. It focuses on what happened next. There's three verses in this this story that tell us what happened to the leper. And then there's three verses that tell us what happens next. Wait, is that right? Three? One, two, three. Yeah, three verses that tell us what happened next. Same amount of verses, but those three verses that tell us about what happened next are much more detailed and thorough. The bulk of the passage isn't about the cleansing. It's about what happens next. And it's strange. It's strange what happens next. Look at verse 43 and 44. After cleansing the leper, it says, And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer your cleansing for your cleansing what Moses commanded for proof to them. That seems strange, doesn't it? I know we're kind of used to Jesus' strangeness a little bit, having studied the Bible, and some of us have been Christians for years. But imagine, first time you're reading this, that seems like a strange next step after cleansing the leper. He doesn't, you know, take him up into his arms and high-five him and say, man, doesn't it feel good to be able to high-five somebody again? Isn't that great? Let's go together and tell your family. This is great news. He sternly charges him. Again, this is where the Greek is difficult to, to mold into English, but it's an intense word. It's almost like an animal growl. Stern. Don't say anything to anyone and get out of here immediately. It's, it's like you would do if you're trying to cover up something you had done wrong almost. Like, don't say anything and go. Just go. Why? Why does he keep doing this? You know, let's, let's look. Let's think about our Savior again. You know, I, I started this sermon by kind of recapping what we've seen him do. But there's this hint of uh, secrecy to it all throughout. You know, that first time we saw him teaching in the synagogue and the demon, demon-possessed demon man or the unclean spirit-possessed man starts shouting and shrieking and croaking about, you're him, you're the son of God. And Jesus silences him. And then over at Simon's house, he, they start to bring everybody from the whole community, but he doesn't heal all of them. He heals many of them, but then he goes away by himself and he prays and they find him. Oh, but even in there, when he's casting out demons from all those people, he doesn't let the demons talk because they know who he is. Specifically because they know who he is. He stops them and doesn't want them to talk. And then he goes off and hides and he's praying and all the people are searching for him. 
because they got more people to be healed and more people to be liberated from demons. And they find him and they say, the whole town's looking for you. And he says, well, I'm sorry to disappoint them, but we have to keep moving. I've got to go preach. And then here he heals a leper. And the first thing he does is sternly charge him and send him away at once and say to him, see that you say nothing to anyone. Why is he acting this way? Why doesn't he set up the Jesus mega healing, liberation, cleansing center and just start taking patients all day long, steady flow of patients. People can travel from around the world to get to, to the Jesus healing and liberation and cleansing center and he can just churn them out. Why wouldn't he do that? Well, we get a hint here. We see what happens because the the man disobeys what Jesus tells him to do. He can't keep quiet about it. Would you be able to keep quiet about it if you were the newly cleansed leper? So we see what Jesus didn't want to happen, happen. So let's see what that is. Verse 44, Jesus says to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. What he's talking about is back in Leviticus, the priest had to be sure you did not have leprosy before they let you go back into the community. So Jesus is saying, do go and do all that. Do what the law says. Make sure you're clean by the priest. Make sure they believe it, prove it, and then you'll be restored. But don't say anything to anybody else. You know, don't publicize this. Verse 45, but he, the newly cleansed leper, went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. So instead of obeying what Jesus says, keep quiet about it, he immediately gets on Facebook and status posts, Jesus Christ just cleansed my leprosy. I was full of leprosy and now I'm clean. Emails it out to everybody in his address book, tells everybody, talks freely about it. What was the consequence of that? The news spread so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. Well, that doesn't sound too bad, though. I mean, why is that such a bad thing? The news spread and people were coming from all over. I mean, yeah, he couldn't enter a city, really. He couldn't enter the town because it was too, too much pandemonium. But that still seems, by our standards, pretty successful for ministry, doesn't it? I mean, the news spread everywhere. That is, from a marketing standpoint, that is a huge win. Do you know how much money churches spend to try to get the news to spread? How, how much in mailings, how much in billboards, how much in websites, how much in radio commercials to try to get the news to spread? Here, it went viral the news spread everywhere. That should have been a success from a marketing standpoint. And beyond that, people were acting on it. He was out in desolate, unpopulated places out in the wilderness, and people were coming to him from every quarter, from all over the place. Like everybody was just converging to try to find Jesus. You know, from a numerical standpoint, that is a huge win. Can you imagine if we had people converging from all corners of Charlotte and Midland and out in the country and urban centers just swarming? Why was this not a success? Why did he want to not have this happen? 
And let me ask you this, press a little further. Were the people badly motivated for coming out? I don't think so. I think their motivation was pretty good. They were recognizing that Jesus really was a powerful man. You know, they recognized something true about Jesus. They were coming to Jesus, and that seems good. And they were coming to receive from Jesus, and that seems good. But this isn't what he wanted, because none of this was his mission. You remember back in verse 38, when they find him after he's praying, and he says, yeah, I'm not going to go and heal and liberate all these people. Instead, he says, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. He wanted to go through the towns preaching his way to the cross. He wanted to go through the towns and preach the simple sermon, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he wanted to keep moving through these towns until he reached the cross. He wasn't out there to heal everybody. He wasn't out there to cleanse everybody who was a leper. He wasn't out there to liberate everybody who had a demon. He was out there to let people know the kingdom was at hand and work his way to the cross. Now, this is really significant. I'm going to read you something that Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5 says. In Hebrews chapter 8, the author is writing to Jewish Christians and he's trying to explain to them why Jesus is better than um, the law, why he is the fulfillment of all the law, including the laws about leprosy. And listen to Hebrews 8, verse 5. He says, they, referring to all, all the aspects of the Jewish law, really, he has in mind, they, all these things, all these um, the ins and outs of what we're supposed to do with lepers and how we're supposed to, you know, make sure they're clean. All the laws that you know from Leviticus and you know, Deuteronomy and all those books, they serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. All this with the leper falls into that category of a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. We get so caught up with shadows and copies. You know, when my kids and I are walking down a parking lot or someplace where the sun is shining and casting our shadows, um, we somehow got started with the game where I'll move so that my shadow looks like it's attacking their shadows until they notice that it's happening. So if they're in front of me, I'll try to make it like this so that my shadow hands are coming together and grabbing their shadow head. And then they'll see it and they'll try to dodge it. And we do that. We probably look like crazy people walking around the Walmart parking lot. But, you know, that's fun. And it's something that you can see. And, but it's not the substance. You know, my kids don't try to go and hug the shadow. They don't, they're not fathered by my shadow. You know, by the time we get to the store, we go in and we forget about the shadow. The substance is when they turn around and they hold my hand. Or they turn around and, and we hug. Or they turn around and we laugh and we see each other. That's the substance. So what Hebrews 8, 5 is saying is that all these things that the people were going crazy over at the beginning of his ministry, the healings, the liberation from unclean spirits, the cleansing of lepers, all that's shadow work. But even the shadow that is cast by the, the ultimate substance of the heavenly things was enough to cause great crowds to come out. But they couldn't understand the substance. The substance 
would be reached when he finally made it to the cross. That was the substance. So the loving thing for him to do was to keep moving. Don't get distracted by the shadows. I've got to get to the cross. On the cross was the ultimate expression of Jesus' sympathy for our spiritual uncleanness. On the cross, he stretched out his hand and he touched our spiritual uncleanness. On the cross, he cleanses us from our truest and deepest, ultimate, substantial uncleanness. Now I want to close by reading to you a passage from Hebrews chapter 10. And you may notice in your bulletin, it says prayer time before the closing song. And I want this passage that I read to you to sort of be the fuel for your prayers. And you're going to have just a few minutes to pray at your seat before we sing our closing song. So you can bow your head and close your eyes, or you can look at this passage in your Bible, whatever's comfortable for you. But I do want you to spend this time interacting with this Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we've been studying. And listen to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, based on the cross, is what he's saying. This is what the therefore is there for. Based on what Jesus has done, his once and for all sacrifice, therefore, Brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Because of Jesus' sacrificial work on that cross, we have been moved from unclean to clean. We can draw near. Let us draw near with a true heart. A whole heart. Not a heart that is divided up with the conscience pulling it one way and the, and the Holy Spirit convicting it the other way with hidden sin and shame and sorrow. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith without a doubt that we are accepted and clean in God's presence with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, clean hearts, clean down to the core of who we are, clean down to even the most secret moments of our lives, cleaned up from even the most shameful sins that we've ever committed, clean from even the, the longest held secret sin and shame that we have carried with us, clean hearts, Heart sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Our conscience that was eaten up with the leprosy of sin, calloused and scabbed over, no longer working properly, has been corrected. It's good. And our bodies washed with pure water. Just take these few moments to see Jesus Christ. Don't just look at his shadow. Don't just look at the the side benefits. And don't just look at the church itself. And don't just look at 
the prayers you're hoping he'll answer regarding your provision or your family. See the substance. See Jesus on that cross for you. Reaching out his nail-pierced hand to touch you in your uncleanness. See him who knew no sin being made sin on your behalf so that you could become the righteousness of God. This prayer time is a time to confess, a time to claim this cleansing, a time to be grateful. And Father, I pray that we as a church would never get distracted by the shadows of the cross, but have our eyes locked on it. And may we live as men and women who have been cleansed through the blood of Jesus Christ. And may we not go and spread the word of anything about the shadows. May we not go and promote Doolin's Grove. May we not go and promote Christian morality. May we go with the pure and simple gospel of Jesus Christ. May we point people to the substance. Let us be clean people of the substance of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.